Hello, and welcome to Exploring Axon, a podcast where we discuss Axon Framework, Axon Server, and their ecosystem. I am your host and a software developer at Axonic, Sarah Tori. This is the first part of my conversation with Stephen Randolph, the founder and CEO of Harbormaster. Harbormaster is a tech stack agnostic application generator that gives developers control over what is needed and what can be modified when generating their applications. Axonic and Harbormaster have recently started a great partnership, and we discuss the benefits of this joint effort. I hope you enjoy my conversation with Steve, and let's have a listen. Hi, Stephen. How are you doing today? I'm doing great, Sarah. How are you? I'm doing fantastic. Thank you so much for joining me today. I'm really excited to find out more about your adventures and uh, all of the wonderful things that you've been doing and um, also about the partnership that we have started with uh, Harbormaster and Axon. So lots of uh, wonderful information and uh, I'm sure I'll come up with a million questions to ask. (laughs) But before I get there, can you uh, introduce yourself. Tell us a little bit about who you are, where you are, what you do, what is Harbormaster, why did you create it, and all of the all of the above, basically, whatever you like to share. I'd love to hear all about it. Awesome. I sure will. I'll do that. Thank you, Sarah. So Steve Randolph, uh, CEO of Harbormaster, and Harbormaster as a business entity is less than a year old. Uh, I had started another company back in 2001 <clears throat> that was uh, really right around J2E, becoming popular and prevalent. Java has been out for a while, but you know, how do you build applications and enterprise applications so uh, on J2EE? So there was a need I saw in the marketplace. I was working for quite a few consulting, doing consulting work at an insurance company, at an investment firm, uh, at a bank, and I saw they all had the same problems that they're trying to solve. So I decided, hey, you know, why don't I try to productize the way I think about these things and the way I go about solving them 2001 that that platform was about generating uh, code generating j2e applications around 2012 you know j2e is tailing off but it's you know still there but it's tailing off um, I'm taking time away from all this and not very unhappy that I'm not writing code anymore but around 2017 I decided um, you know the landscape had changed quite a bit you know we had a lot more uh, tech stacks, a lot more uh, application frameworks, a lot more toolkits, languages were becoming uh, far more popular. There wasn't just the, the handful we're used to seeing. So I decided to, if I could take what I'd already built, but make it be more tech stack agnostic, I could target uh, a, a larger, a larger uh, a number of audience. So that's what I did. I decided in 2018 to take my thinking and start from scratch. I couldn't reuse really anything, just being honest with you. And, you know, just redesign it. You know, how, how do you uh, take what's considered, you know, an agnostic uh, technology model, right? I have a model, something I've thought about, but I don't know what the tech stack needs to be. And how do you marry that with a specific tech stack? If you can keep those two things separate and bring them together, I thought that'd be a great idea. I've always thought about that. So that's what I embarked on. I decided to build a platform that would merge, you know, the thinking around a model around the abstraction uh, related to uh, a tech stack so that if I wanted to describe any number of tech stacks, then the model would stay consistent and I could now generate, you know, generate uh, projects for a whole host. So we changed the thinking from, you know, really generating applications. So we actually instantiating projects, right? Whole projects, right? The things that take you from 
not just, you know, having some stubbed out code, but things that execute and run deployed in a CI CD environment, you're right, spun up in a, uh, sitting in a Docker container and spun up in a Kubernetes clustered environment. And that's what we call a project. So that's what I took on. It was, uh, you know, orders of magnitude more complex than what I originally did. Plenty of times I wish I hadn't started. Uh, there's plenty of nights I wish I just, I just want to quit. But, you know, <laughs> I think a lot of developers are just like that. Once we get stuck on something until somebody pulls us off of it, right, health, uh, family, whatever reasons, we, we have to finish. And uh, that's really where I'm at today. So turning the corner uh, somewhere between 10,000, 50,000, you know, Docker pulls. So folks are out there using it, playing around with it. Um, but yeah, you know, the, the pot, and, I, and I'm going to pause in a second. I will not take over the conversation. I promise Sarah, but the partnership is so important <laughs> to me because Axon has done something that <clears throat> I've been waiting for. And that is somebody to do what was done in the past with J2EE and taking on sort of the event driven architecture space. There's really, there's no specification. You know, the J2EE spec is, you know, hundreds and hundreds of pages long. So anybody can build to it. It's easily defined. You'll know when something is working and not working. But in the event space, there's really nothing, right? There's theory, there's thinking, there's some things out there. But I was waiting for Axon because I don't have a tech stack that is specifically towards an event-driven uh, architecture, right? Event modeling, DDD, and those sorts of things. So when I saw it, <clears throat> incredibly excited about it. Uh, you guys are the right size to partner with because we can be agile and flex and move quickly doesn't take, you know, 15 people to, to decide something. And that's uh, been incredibly constructive, in, even the short period of time that we've had this partnership. Yeah, that's really great. And I'm really interested to find out a little bit about um, the how your interest. So obviously you came across Axon uh, through probably some uh, personal research and what have you. And um decided hey this was this was a good platform this was something that uh was missing uh prior and um you you found it beneficial and decided to uh to go along with it but going back a little bit what got you initially interested in uh that whole uh, thought process about domain driven design and also event driven architecture because i think um that's a really nice uh way to kind of introduce that um, that thought process and that change of mind, that change of mindset, and then looking for tools around it. So how did you first uh, come to know about DDD and EDA and event sourcing and all of that, uh, that then led you into kind of doing more research and figuring out which platforms are there that you could use, or maybe there's nothing out there that uh, you can use, or um, yeah, just the process. How was it like? So that is a great question. So my roots and the roots of the technology itself, the platform, even all the way back to J2EE, is about a model. Unless you have a model, you can't use the technology, right? So there's a prerequisite. So the, the thinking around modeling was to have a consistent way of describing what you have. Uh, there's plenty of tools out there to do that. But then how does that thing interpret what you said you wanted into what you actually want? Right? That's, that's what the tool is. That's what I've always been doing. Uh, in, the, in the space of domain-driven design, and especially getting into the, the event source and the event piece, uh, we've intentionally not built anything to do microservices because I haven't seen anything out there yet. You know, you can always, you can always bring up a Spring Boot application with its own port and call it a microservice. But we're trying to 
we're trying to provision entire ecosystems of microservices, right? And, you know, an enterprise needs more than three microservices. So, you know, we, we were waiting on and looking for something out there that we would say, hey, not only is this going to help us to, to sort of sit on top of, you know, abstractions that we don't want to keep writing every time, right? That's what we want to do. We want to keep reusing, sitting on top of something. We want to exactly. leverage it. But have they actually captured the thinking you know, honestly, the way that we would have had we done it. And the answer is I couldn't find anything and I stumbled across. Um, and what got you interested in the first place in DDD, for instance, because you started back in 2001 and then you kind of took a break from it for various reasons and then you came back to it. So what was the uh, the thing that got you really excited and, and interested about, hey, let's look at domain-driven design. Let's look at microservices. Let's see how we can model this because it is complex. It's not something that you can just sort of wake up one morning and be like, voila, there it is. You know, right. I got it. So how did you get to that point and then move along with it and looked for more resources and then figured out, hey, this is really something that I would like to explore more? So I think, so there's really two things that excite excited me about it. The first is the opportunity because of the complexity, right? If there's no complexity, then there's really no need to provision a tool necessarily to simplify. So I like the complexity part. But I also like the fact that what was always lacking, at least in traditional modeling tools, that they weren't touting the notion around a bounded context, right? What is it about the things I have that allow me to set, put a boundary around it so that, it's, so that it actually is well-founded, it, uh, it can sit within, within a larger context, and it can have predictability. So domain-driven design, you know, we've had design around for a while, right, and the notion around modeling class diagrams, sequence diagrams, those sorts of things have been out there, but really focusing on the context and the bounded in the boundaries of the context, I hadn't seen that before. So when I started to see that, and I started to see that there's a description and definition around capsulation of those complexities, again, I get excited because I'm like, okay, so if we can, if there's, if we can go out there and describe these boundaries in these microservices and the relationships uh, within the boundaries and, and, and across boundary, then we might be able to simplify even further by being able to generate those things, right? So again, my whole space is around generation. And, and that's really what ca caught my attention was the, the richness around describing uh, domain-driven design with the, the difference being the bounded context definition, but also the fact that it is hard, right? Like people, you know, you naturally do think about these things in a certain way, but when you have been writing code for such a long period of time and for a specific tech stack especially, you have no choice sometimes but become fixated in a way of thinking, a type of thinking, a kind of thinking. So now somebody comes to you and says, you need to change your thinking. And it's like, not again. Like, because I've been changing my thinking, you know, every four or five years, I tell my son, he's old enough now, I says, you see what you're doing? I did that before. He's like, what do you mean? I says, no, I've already done that before. And I'll go ahead and explain it. He goes, how did you know I was going to say? I said, because I already said it. <laughs> right? I've already heard it. We've already done I've it. I've been so around the block a couple of times. <laughs> exactly. So we continue to see these cycles. So when I saw this this other cycle, and this is where Axon certainly caught my, most of my attention, it was like, you know, once upon a time, the J2E application server was not that popular. It was cumbersome, complicated, big and bulky. But before you know it, it's now the new legacy, right? You've got quoting system, trading systems, all these big backend systems sitting on WebSphere and WebLogic. I think at some point in time, you know, hopefully we'll still be a partner or who knows. At some point in time, they'll all be sitting on Axon, right? Like it, it, Axon will have been, will, will be moving in that direction where it's just the standard. 
by which, you know, when you're thinking about event-driven architectures, got to get over that hurdle first, right? We got to shift that paradigm to get people to stop thinking about functions and more about events. But when that starts to happen, yeah, I was already here. I saw how long and hard it was to get people to shift to thinking about J2EE, session beans, entity beans, and those things. But once they got it, they get it. And then they start becoming productive with it. Then they have expectations of just using it, right? So I think we're going to, right now, I think we're in the phase with DDD, CQRS, ED, you know, event-driven architectures. Some of the concepts are, are not that new, but the acceptance has, is, is increasing. But eventually it's just going to become necessary. Like people are going to have an expectation where these things just need to be here, right? They, they're going to have an expectation, hopefully, that they can generate projects. Like you don't, that's the whole purpose of the reuse, right? Like at some point we only, we had batch files and I would go out to my DOS prompt and I would build things. So I'd build it and I'd sit and wait and watch it build and it would fail. And I'm like, oh yeah, I should put that to a log file. Then I'd go through the log file and look and see what happened. And then I, now I use Jenkins, I use Circle C, I use these other tools that when I do it, I get notified of what's happening. And if these tools are, are as good as they are, they can remedy some of these things and make recommendations. Automation takes time. It gets accepted in stages. And I'm hopeful that at some point, project generation, especially on top of uh, Axon, is, is going to have that same place as well. Absolutely. And I'm so glad that you mentioned that um, there is that notion of uh, something is difficult. How can I help it to become uh, less challenging and less complex for folks who are trying to use it? And I think that's really um, important because, well, for one thing, a lot of times when we see complexity, we tend to move away from it. We're looking for more simplicity as opposed to complexity. And um, another thing that you mentioned, which I think is really extremely valuable, is the mindset. Because first, we have to uh, shift the mindset to think about things a little bit differently. It's not, uh, you know, reinventing everything from the scratch. It's just doing it a little bit differently to um, maybe increase the performance or the speed or what have you, or uh, make it a little bit easier to um, have a variety of, um, let's say, languages or platforms on, a, on, a, on, a, on a, the same project on, on various systems that you're working on and have different teams be able to work on that. And that's the whole purpose of having microservices because it helps you to tackle things at smaller chunks, if you would. But at the same time, it adds a lot of complexity. That's a lot of modeling, a lot of planning, which um, you and I are great fans of that, <laughs> modeling and planning, which is great. And so during this whole process that you you started thinking about, okay, how can I make this complex system a little bit easier? And how can I help other developers to really generate the this project they want to generate? and get to the point that they can just start developing and start moving things forward a little bit faster instead of having to worry about, oh, how can I start this project to begin? That starting point, as you and I were talking about a little bit last week, is that really difficult point. It's it's a bit of a hurdle. You have to go through it, and a lot of times there's a huge learning curve involved. So with Harbor Master and with your tool, it's a lot easier to start the project, right? And as you mentioned, it is um, technology agnostic, it's platform agnostic, it's also language agnostic, so it's really 
really cool. So tell me a little bit about that. Tell me um, some of these platforms and languages or frameworks that you have chosen, aside from Axon, because that's uh, we, we already know that that has it. Um, but what was the uh, decision-making process like for you to say, okay, this is, for instance, a good platform, this is a good uh, uh, framework or a language even that I want to start and help folks be able to generate their applications faster? So, so a lot of it has to do with just straight popularity, right? So if you're hearing, you know, so I'll be quite honest, I'm a Java developer. I've been de developing Java before there was Java even out. When they introduced right. it, I was probably writing in C++. And I downloaded Java. I've been to Sun Microsystems. I've been out there visiting. So I'm that's where I'm at. So a lot of these other languages are not the language of choice for me. However, that doesn't mean our clients don't want to write in Python, right? And these other languages. Absolutely. So what we would do is we would look and say, okay, you know, do we want to generate for the purity of the language, Python, or do you want to sit on top of something else like a Django, right? So we'll generate in both cases, right? And again, we're generating... Uh, what we consider to be all the stuff necessary. So when we, because we're developers too, we use the tool. When we start writing code, we're writing the innovative stuff, right? So we'd always look and say, okay, looking at what this thing requires, this is how you build a tech stack, by the way, right? You say, okay, what's required of this in order for me to uh, do this so that it compiles and it executes in a way that the people want it to, right? It can create, read, update, and delete. It can persist. It does all these great things. It can cache. It can present data to the user. That's fine. Okay. What else does it need to do? Because all we want to make sure is that when we start writing codes, like any developer, can we really just start working on the stuff related to innovation? And that's that's a little bit harder to think about. That does vary from tech, tech, tech stack to tech stack. But, you know, we have support for Django, Python, Ruby on Rails, uh, ASP.NET. We have a tech stack that's just purely for Spring. We even have a tech stack for Struts 2 because, believe it or not, people are still writing code on Struts 1, and they, really, and they would just love to be able to get to Struts 2, right? right. They don't, they don't want to hear about Spring, right, and IOC and all this injection stuff. They're just like, you know what? This is where we started. We started here in 2006, and we've been writing in Struts and you know getting over to Struts 2. So we tend to look at you know popularity of what's out there, and we also look at um, you know what any of our clients have been asking for. We'll go ahead and accommodate that. But I wanted to also share something with you because to me, this is just always consulting 101. I would tell people my goal when I step into an arrangement as a consultant, I've been one for many years, is that I know the first day that I start there, 8 o'clock in the morning, 9 o'clock in the morning, we have a meeting. I'm not really wanted. Uh, nobody, I'm not wanted. I'm there to either help do something somebody there couldn't do and or figure out and or whatever you want to say. So I'm not wanted. So my goal is by lunchtime, they invite me to lunch. <laughs> and you're so nice. That's not hard. <laughs> I mean, it's not hard. It's hard not to invite you for lunch by lunchtime. Well, <laughs> invite me to lunch and not ask me to pay. How's that? <laughs> <laughs> well put. Fair enough. Fair enough. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. So, the go so, so we have to understand that the presentation of what we know sometimes has to be softened. Right. For the for the consumer. Right. We, we you know, so if we are trying to get people to full blown microservices where, you know, we've got thousands of them and there's discovery and there's, you know, there's location awareness, there's clustering, there's event sourcing. It's like, OK, that's great. But there's a maturity to all of this and not everybody's there. Right. So even in the enterprise, not everybody's at the same level. So we want to spend time to discover where are you? Right. An honest assessment. Where are you really? 
right now when it comes to, 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 to microservices, event sourcing, DDD, those sorts of things. And then when once we agreed on what that is, what's it going to take to get you just to the next level, right? Because the next level is palatable. Two levels above is intimidating and three is likely. Uh, just forget it. Yeah. 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 Just forget it. Right. So again, in that room as a consultant, I understand that there's dissenters, there's ones who've been waiting for this. They've been dying to do this. They've been noodling around with it on their laptop, et cetera. So how do we bring them all together so that we feel like we're doing this together It's team heading in a positive trajectory and for the, from the management perspective, you know, these tools are nice. These acronyms are cool. How's it going to help the business, right? How are we going to deploy ideas faster? cheaper, better. All those things they keep talking about, irregardless of the tech stack, right? They don't they don't change their pitch, really. They just really uh, continue with the same pitch, the same quality attributes that matter to them. It's irrespective of the tech stack. So our job is to figure out how to hear what they say and leverage the tech stack to accommodate what they're looking for. Uh, Absolutely. That was a mouthful. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> and I think... One of the things that you mentioned, which I think is so valuable and we don't pay close attention to a lot of times is that fact that uh, you do have to get everybody on board and there is a learning curve involved and there is a process of uh, sort of changing everybody's mind, not everybody's mind, but maybe some people within the team are not quite convinced and you have to get them on board uh, because otherwise there's going to be all sorts of other issues, tensions within the team, disagreements and things like that. And those are sometimes the things that we tend to overlook because we're paying so much attention to the technology itself. And we make all these really wonderful, um, you know, slide deck about how great my technology is and how much you should use it. And this is all nice and dandy. But then if somebody in the team, if the architect in the team is not on board with using this tool, then, um, then it's not as easy to convince them. So I really appreciate the fact that you mentioned that, that you did uh, say that there is a time that you have to really sit down with everybody in the team and talk about it and hopefully convince everybody by lunchtime that, hey, this is a good route that we should go to and hopefully not have, a, have you pay for lunch. Um, so that's really, really valuable. Now, talking more specifically about um, the, the app generator, uh, there were some. You did a really nice presentation for uh, for us internally within our team at Axon um, about what the app generation does and uh, what are the real benefits that you can. I mean, aside from the obvious, it generates the app and kind of takes the heavy lifting away from you. Um, but there were some things that really were cool to me. One was the fact that you have the uh, generator.properties file. Can you talk a little bit about that and what's in that file and why is it there and how you can use it and uh, customize it, basically? Yeah, I can do that. Thank you for even noticing that. That's what I like. I said, hey, I really like her. She notices the stuff that nobody else notices, <laughs> but I put a lot of time into that thing. So I for the first. It. Yeah, for the first time, I get to talk about it, right? None of my friends want to hear about this stuff unless they're in the software. <laughs> so, you know, one, one thing that was important this time around building this platform versus the other one was knowing that, and I've learned a lot, right? I've been in places we sold to the Department of Energy, FEMA. I've been in places where you're going to get beat up. You're going to get, they're going to, they're going to beat you up. And it's okay because it's going to, if you can take the punches and the kicks, it'll, it's because it's going to turn out that you're going to build a better platform, either the next version or if you start from scratch. So what I knew was the following 
was that even though we have templatized a tech stack, right? We've taken the axon thing and we've templatized it, right? You're going to get your commands and you're going to get your queries and your events and, you know, you're going to get your, you know, all these great things, your aggregates and all these things are going to be there. Not everybody wants it the way we thought of it. So we can sit with an architect now and say, well, what did, what did you mean when you wanted to use the axon aggregate? What did you, how do you want to actually do the event handling? What do you want to do with, you know, with subscription queries and all those things? So now we can show them the template file, right? The, the, the source of truth. So before we hit the button, we can make those changes, right? So now I'm accommodating the architect. From a right. developer's perspective, if they're new to this, it's nice to look at the hello worlds that are out there. But what's even better is what if you can look at what you actually need? Right. So now we're generating things within their context. Right. It's their entities, their language. You know, it's all the stuff that. So when you open and look at the code, it's what you would have written anyhow. Why? Because we just showed you the templates and you agreed. Yes, this is the output we want. And you would have written it anyhow. And again, that's that's really the whole goal. We know that, you know, what we generate um Although it works, it may not be design-wise acceptable, so we have to sit down with that. But what's also important is the layout of the project, right? Like people have district about how they want things, where the files should go. And, you know, for me, I think they should go like this. And they'll look and say, well, that's not how we do it. And it's like, okay, so now we have a properties file that you can declare, you know, basically you're telling the platform, hey, when you see a file of this type, wildcard by this name or whatever i want you to put it here and that has saved us so much time in debate right it was just easy to build it so now i can't so now while they're talking because they'll see us generate something and say oh that's real cool it really works but one of the things i'm so glad you mentioned this they'll say yeah but we don't output like that that that's not the structure we want to use as a matter of fact when christian on your team saw that that was one of the first thing he said i said that's okay I says, you let me know what you want, and now we can make right. those changes. And what it is is it's it's I think the purpose of doing those sorts of things up front is letting them know this is not a no code, low code black box that we're gonna generate. No, I just say to people, it's gonna be what you would have done if we weren't here. Right? So you can either do it without us from a coding perspective, or you can let us just hit that, see that button right there? Let us click the mouse and hit the generate button so that we can all get back to work on this stuff that really, really matters. And uh, again, I think, uh, yeah, I, th I just really think it's from having experience not having done those things, Sarah, to be honest with you, that makes you realize, yeah, we better build this into the platform. And can I say how much I appreciate you putting so much thought and energy and effort into that? Because even though, yes, it is customizable and every team should customize it the way that they want to. But I think what really also is helpful is that when you have that structure within um, your project, because a lot of times when we're talking about microservices and we're different, we're using different modules within the same application. Uh, different teams are different are working on different modules or within each module they're working on different features and if you started right and i'm using quotations here right whatever is right for your team uh it helps speeding things up a lot within the team because if you know how to organize your packages and your files and you have this standardized uh uniform way of doing it within your team uh, but then another team is working on another module within your application, but they're using a different way 
of organizing their files and their packages, you may have conflicts in between. So you really have to uh, watch those things carefully and you have to be able to make adjustments if you need to and customize it so that your entire team that's working on uh, this particular application or project or system can benefit from it so that you don't have to go to each individual engineer and say, hey, by the way, you put your file in the wrong place. <laughs> move, your, move your package because now you know, my, my module can't communicate with your module for whatever reason. So it, it really um, is beneficial. For me, at least when I saw that um, in your presentation, I was like, oh my gosh, somebody thought about this. How wonderful. <laughs> Because we just had a chat within my team <laughs> where packages should go and how important they are. Uh, and in Axon Framework, we do pay a lot of attention to packages. So I really appreciated uh, you putting thought and effort into that. I hope you enjoyed this part of my conversation with Steve. Please join me next time as I continue this really interesting talk with him. Until then, have a great time and happy coding.